You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Today's episode is a special episode from our Linton Facebook Live series entitled Closing the Distance. These are unscripted conversations with the pastors of RPC and various special guests reflecting on topics from our ongoing sermon series. If you're interested in learning more about this community of faith, visit roswellprez.org. and happy Monday. Um, so glad that we are going to get to have this time together. My name is Lindsay Slocum and I am getting to spend time today with Jeff Myers, our senior pastor who preached an excellent sermon yesterday. Um, so Jeff, I'm super excited to talk to you about the sermon. This whole sermon series, we are looking at things in our lives that we want to shrink. And, um, and so today we're talking about our possessions and um, not relying fully on our possessions. So it was a fantastic sermon and I'm very much looking forward to talking to you about the sermon, but as always, I need to make sure we cover the really important things first. How are you feeling about the zags? Like you feeling good about your bracket? Have you been watching the basketball? Yeah, I've consumed a lot of basketball in the last, uh, you know, few days. But um, yeah, I'm really excited about the Zags. One of the things that worries me is, and this this happens, I think, to a lot of teams that are highly ranked, is they start off slow because they're overconfident. And they start off slow, they get behind, and then they have to try really hard in the second half to come back. And luckily, they've been playing against teams where they've been able to do that. Memphis played a fantastic game. I was really worried. I didn't think we were going to be able to pull it out. Um, Drew Timmy just had a fantastic second half and really um, was just dominant inside. But the thing is, as you get further and further along in the tournament, you just can't take it for granted that you're going to be able to come back because the teams are so good. Um, you get anxious, nervous. So I'm just, I'm, I'm a little worried. One of my really good friends is a huge Arkansas fan. So I'm a little, mm -hmm. that could be, that's a little problematic in our relationship right now, since that's who they're playing. Our, <laughs> Uh, in the round of 16, but I'm excited. And um, well, hopefully now, I'm did you, they got to, they got to win a national championship finally. <laughs> well, I was going to say, did you pick the Bulldogs to go all the way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I picked, okay. And I, that's, I picked, um, I picked for many years to win it all. And so I'm just waiting to be right one year. <laughs> and of course, I'm certain that you're also watching women's college basketball and you are watching as the University of South Carolina Gamecocks as usual are just owning the women's bracket so I just want to make sure you I've watched some that. of that yeah and I you know a lot of people don't know this that women uh percentage-wise are better sh three-point shooters and free throw shooters than men a lot of people don't know that I mean in the fantastic skill level you see um it's just, I think it's really fun. And it's, it's a game that's played more below the rim than above the rim, like in the men's game. So it's just, it's, mm -hmm. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. South Carolina is very impressive. And so um, we'll see. Um, did they win it last year? I think they did. Didn't they? Um, I don't actually remember, but I know they go a long way in it. Yes. Yes, they did. Definitely. They did. I, I know that confidently. <laughs> and also thank you, Teresa. <laughs> I don't know. We always watch it for a long time. I can't remember from year to year. Anyway, okay, good. Well, I just, I, I did watch the Memphis game and when they played the Memphis game, uh, it was a really good game. So I just wondered if you were keeping up with them. 
Yeah. Best definitely. of all. Okay. So, but your sermon, um, it was way, way good. And it, it, um, it actually started a lot of conversation in my house. And one of the things, you know, on Sunday, sometimes I'll say, okay, what did everybody get out of this? And my oldest, my 15 year old. So I was like, tell me what's one thing you remember from the sermon. And he highlighted, uh, which I thought this was such a poignant story, but he highlighted the story where you were talking about the storage units and people would go in and bid on the storage units because, you know, if we have so much stuff that we fill up these storage units and then we either forget about it, we can't pay for the unit anymore, people will pass away, whatever it is. So they bid them off. And he, he was actually quite, uh, he spent lots of time processing just all the pieces of that story. Um, but one of the things it made me think about is that the people are coming in and bidding on these giant rooms of stuff that they haven't even seen. And so I'm just wondering kind of even, especially in the context of what we're talking about in the sermon series, like what does that say about us as people that we wanna go buy somebody else's stuff? We haven't even seen what it is. We just, we know it's somebody's stuff that they didn't need in their house, that they put it in a storage unit, but we're gonna go buy it so that now we have all of that stuff well i think and a lot of folks mentioned this to me i haven't seen the show but uh my wife has watched it and was telling me about it it's called storage wars it's kind of a reality show uh where people go to auctions and buy a uh, storage unit uh this belongings they're in storage units and, and she said that the thing is is these people that are buying these units become very good at it's almost like picking stocks or something they get very good at being able to see what the what the items are up front and then guessing at what's behind and what a value could be and what they can buy it for and then resell that stuff for. Um, so I think that that's a, what a lot of it, especially on a professional level, it's these people are professionals and they're, you know, reselling a lot of these items on, um, you know, eBay and other market places. But I think your question gets to an interesting, um, you know, thing about, it, it, you know, one person's uh, treasure is another person's trash and one person's trash is another person's treasure. And I think one of the things, and so I don't think that really matters as much is the point I was trying to make was maybe more of a emotional or spiritual one. What is it, the attachment we have to our mm -hmm. stuff? What is our um, the relationship of our heart, our desires, the seat of our emotions to our stuff. And I think mm -hmm. that's something we're always going to wrestle with. It's never, never going to be always appropriately attached to our stuff. And so I was mm -hmm. trying to raise that as an example of, of a place that's just really obvious that we have a lot of stuff um, in a place and how do we relate to it? And I think, um, and that happens at a small level. We have, we have children, you know, that are, you know, my son, no, you can't play with my toy. It's my toy, right? Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. sometimes you need to share. Part of being living, you know, being a good human being and a good person is learning to share. We want our kids to share. And, and so it was kind of wrestling with that. But also on a big level, I made a comment about uh, Putin, you know, it, <laughs> it's not okay to take somebody else's stuff. You know, if you let pride and greed, you know, you know be a driving motivational factor in your heart, that's going to destroy your life, um, other people's lives, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm actually, I want to come back to so many of those things. I made a lot of notes about value. You're talking about value and, um, and what we can, how we connect value to these things. And so I want to come back, but one of the things uh, just now, when you were talking about the storage wars and all that stuff that just occurred to me and I hadn't really thought about before is uh, this idea that there are professionals who, who literally are profiting off of the fact that we are over consumers, like the, that we need all of this stuff. And so like, it's become a profession then to make money off of our need to like have so much stuff. That, that seems like a unfortunate commentary on society maybe, but I hadn't thought about that till just now when you were talking about that. It's, it's so funny, Lindsay, when you were um, saying that, remember me, I had this thought in the middle of the sermon yesterday where I was like, I hope nobody's in the storage locker business in the congregation. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and that's why I say, you know, I'm not, my point is not, no one should ever own a storage locker. People right, have storage course. lockers for a lot of good reasons. Um, my point is not that, uh, you know, you and me probably <laughs> would be the most guilty. People should have more. It's okay to have more than one pair of shoes. <laughs> like right. I'm right. not talking about, um, this severe frugality that um some people subscribe to i'm just talking let's raise this i our awareness that we are attached to our stuff and sometimes mm -hmm. we're over attached to it and how can we have a better mm -hmm. relationship with our belongings that allows our lives to flourish both in our relationships um with one another and with god so i hope the mm -hmm. i didn't uh i didn't offend uh our storage unit <laughs> brothers and sisters <laughs> so when you were talking about that attachment disorder disorder and and how that leads to anxiety and you told us the story about the guy who got uh who got beer spilled all over his fancy shoes i was thinking about you know i did a there was a couple that i was doing their wedding and one time we spent an entire premarital counseling talking about she had a white sofa and she wouldn't let him have a glass of red wine on her white sofa. And so it, cause of course, right. The issue wasn't really about whether or not he was gonna, it wasn't about whether or not he was responsible enough that he wasn't gonna spill or whatever. But it, so much of this kind of went back to what you're talking about. Like, what does it look like to, what are we placing our value on? And what's, what are we holding as important? And I guess, so yesterday when you were talking about that, it reminded me of that at premarital counseling. And some of what we kind of came back to is figuring out how to kind of navigate the line between um, valuing something, but being responsible at the same time. You know what I mean? And so not like, we don't want to put too much value on the white sofa, of course, but we still want to be responsible and thoughtful. Anyway, so it raised all these questions for me of even stewardship. When you when we're think talking through these issues and what it looks like to be in relationship with these things, but to be still there's a, a stewardship issue, I guess. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 totally. And so you're kind of raising the let's say these are two sides of the same coin. On one hand, you can be overly attached to your stuff. And on the other hand, you can be too unattached to it. You're not a steward. Um, you don't take care of it. And um Aquinas and Aristotle, uh, um, they define virtue as the mean between two extremes, okay? So we find virtue, okay, the good life, what's going to lead us to the happy life, the blessed life, is between those, we might say, between those two extremes, between over-attachment and too unattached, okay? 
and I think, um, and I try in my preaching to say one thing. I try to say it in a bunch of different ways, but I, I try to be really clear that, that I'm trying to say one thing. And it doesn't mean that there's something else that's not true. But I know a lot of preachers that their sermons die the death of a thousand qualifications. And mm. by the end, you're just like, what was that? It was too complicated. I didn't get it. And people, you know, the preacher spends hours and hours and hours thinking about, about this. So they've got a lot of thoughts. But how do you boil it down to its essential, the essential point you're, or points you're trying to make? So I think um, what you're raising is another point. And I think uh, during stewardship season or generosity season, that's where we might make that point. How, how are you stewarding the gifts you've been given? We talked about uh, the parable of the talents not too long ago. That was a parable where Jesus makes the opposite point. Don't, don't just put it in the ground. Don't, you know, you've been given talents by God. Use them. Make the most of them. You've been given belongings. Take care of them. Mm -hmm. It matters. Like, get, make sure you get an oil change regularly on your car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> get mm -hmm. insurance for your house. Like, like I, you know, that was kind of the other point I was, you know, when I talked about the gated community, the gate at the, and I could just see somebody like, well, it's all bad to live in a gated community or it's all, I shouldn't have insurance on my garage or on my car. No, that's not the point. But the point is, is don't confuse the fact that having insurance and the gate or the gated community is going to prevent the stuff you're, you own from yeah. getting smashed, getting broken getting stolen okay that that still can happen so don't think mm -hmm. you're insulating yourself into a perfect level 100 because mm -hmm. that is um an illusion and it's an illusion mm -hmm. that is often sold to us right and so i think that i'm just trying to raise that awareness but i think um the other point you know if we had to and that's one of the reasons we're doing these closing the distance conversations is to hopefully offer some clarification that no you should get insurance that you have a mortgage it's required um right you have insurance for your car that's good stewardship but don't give into the illusion that that's going to protect you from um all of the stuff that can happen to your possessions yeah yeah and i think yesterday or when i was listening to the sermon and i was kind of trying to navigate kind of the various points that you were making i feel like for me the the sentence or the quote that really uh spoke to this and kind of um helped, for me anyway helped clarify it was when you were talking about putting infinite value in finite things I thought I thought that was such a good sentence and I think as we're looking at our things figuring out what is the value that we're placing on them like is there an appropriate value placed on them or do are we putting this kind of infinite value on them and and for me that's how I in the end I guess I boiled it down like how am I how am I valuing this thing and am I giving it too much value and too much credit in my own life. Yeah. I think, I, I think if we boil, like, what is a human being? Okay. Fundamentally, a human being is a worshiping being, a worshiping creature. We were created to worship and we're going to worship one way or another. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think we, the only um, object worthy of our worship is God, okay? the God revealed in Jesus Christ. And so, what we do in church on Sundays for an hour or however long is we kind of practice worship in a really explicit way 
that we should be living out implicitly or explicitly the rest of the week. Okay? So when we worship God, our worship is, is projected in the right place, right? Whereas when we forget that fact, we often begin worshiping our possessions and we turn mm -hmm. them in to idols. Mm -hmm. And we often don't even recognize we're doing it because there's, it's so insidious, it's so subtle, it's so compelling in the human heart, as we said yesterday, John Calvin says, the human heart is an idol factory. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so that's what, and I, again, this is stuff I, is in the back of my mind when I'm talking yesterday that I didn't make explicit, but that we are fundamentally worshiping creatures. And if we define human beings as worshiping creatures, then we begin to understand, oh, this is why we ascribe infinite value to finite things, but mm -hmm. we should only ascribe infinite value to infinite things. And I would say mm -hmm. the infinite one. Um, mm -hmm. And then it will be our, our loves will be uh, uh, aligned rightly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, on a little bit of a side note, but related. So this Wednesday morning Bible study, we're studying first Peter. And what's really interesting is that Peter all through first Peter, he keeps talking about the perishable and the imperishable, and he keeps pulling things that are, that we would consider imperishable, like gold and silver and making the point that even, even those things are perishable. And that when we look at what's imperishable, then is that, that which is happening through Jesus Christ, the love that comes through Jesus and um, salvation and whatnot. So uh, anyway, just when you were talking, that rem reminded me that even that Peter is talking about those things that we feel like, like gold and silver, these things that we constantly are lifting up of being such value that when, that as a person of faith, as a Christian, we know that there is that which is infinite, that, that is worthy of that infinite value that, as well too. So yeah, that's no, good. That's good. Well, in the, you know, in the Bible was written in the context of the Greek world, right? And one of the problems in the Greek world that people were wrestling with is the, um, the transience of life, the way, the way that things are ephemeral. They're here one day, they, they're gone the next. Mm -hmm. And how one of, I mean, if you read uh, Plato, I mean, that was a lot of his ideas. How, how do we get from the world here to the world of the forms? How do we escape this world? Because this world is always changing. There's nothing we can count on. So you had stoicism. Let's just sit back, right? Epicureanism, let's give in to it to the change okay so there's all these ideas and christianity was this response the god come the infinite had come in the flesh in jesus christ and there's this meaning of the finite and the infinite okay? mm. and so and so i think that um we're always pointing to jesus christ um the visible representation of the invisible god where those intersections happen where we see the infinite meet uh the finite um but we're always trying to, uh, as you say, you know, worship, whether it's gold, silver, our stuff, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. is, you know, invest uh, infinite value to those things that they just can't carry it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. This idea of the finite and infinite meeting in Jesus Christ. And then as we think about how we go about assigning value, then we look to Jesus to see how Jesus was assigning value. And, and what we see is the yeah, we can see that Jesus assigned value to relationships and loving people. And yeah, well, that's really good. I, you know, I was going to, I was, I thought about using a sermon anecdote about, I think we all, all have, um, we all either have been in relationships or we've had friends who are in relationships where one of the partners was a clingy boyfriend or a clingy girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And what we see when we observe that is 
that somebody is not allowing the appropriate kind of love. There's like attachment, but there's also, you have to let somebody be themselves. If you yeah. can't, if you can't be a part, if they're, oh, I need to be with you 24 seven, like, you know, all this, we recognize there's something wrong there. There's a little, there's too much. It's too much of a good thing. It's good, but it's, there's too much. And mm -hmm. I think that that's, um, it's kind of that relationship. And if you've ever been in a relationship like that, it's, it's not fun after a while, you know? And if you've had friends or family members in those kind of relationships, you're like, uh, isn't that annoying? Isn't, that too, isn't it too much? And so um, that was something in the back of my mind, another way we see this in human relationships. Right, right, right. Okay, so then one other thing that this all made me think of, and maybe we've already begun to address this, but I remember in uh, college one time, so I'm a religion major, so we're sitting around like, I mean, a college student who's a religion major, you don't ever say anything that's applicable to the real world. It's just all like contemplation of random things. But anyway, after one time we got in this whole conversation um, about St. Francis, right? So St. Francis grew up as the super wealthy guy and then like sells everything and takes these vows of poverty. And so the question is like, if we're being super faithful, then are we, isn't, I mean, God talks a ton about like all the stuff that you're talking about. Scripture is very clear about not being, tied to our possessions and what's perishable, what's imperishable. Scripture is super clear. So, so anyway, we have this whole conversation. Then if we're going to be super faithful Christians, is that what we're doing? Is that, do we need to be selling off all of our things, taking spouse of poverty? So I'm curious then how your sermon, how you would, you would answer that if you were sitting around with college Lindsay and all of her religion major friends. Sure. No, and I think that's a great, I think that's a great question because I think that's something all of us, when we read certain passages in scripture, we're like, wait, Am I supposed to give everything away? And my question mm -hmm. with college age Lindsay would be, is God calling you to? That's what I said in college. Yes. I'm so I excited. Mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, that and you know, there's a reason the Franciscans, okay, tradition of St. Francis, have a vow of poverty. Okay. That's a vow you take, right? That's mm -hmm. you're you're called into a monastic lifestyle. Okay? And there's certain things that are required, but it's not something it's set apart. It's not everyone is required to do that. Okay. But some people are, and we should discern whether God is calling us to. Okay. But I think, um, so, so that we really have to have vocational discernment about what we are called to do. Um, and, and I think that that's really important. So I don't think everyone's called to give everything away, but I do think scripture is clear. We are called to give some things away. We're not, it's not a calling to hold a uh, hoard everything for yourself. We're called to generosity, to take care of those who have less uh, and who are less fortunate, um, mm -hmm. to serve uh, the broader community rather than our own needs and desires. So, mm -hmm. so I, I, I want to say on one hand, I want to say, not all of us are called to give everything away, but we are all called to give something away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has, um, in, in doing that, and if I have trouble tithing, if I have trouble giving to the church and to other charities that I'm passionate about, if I have trouble, if, if you're not giving anything away, I would say there's something wrong spiritually in your life. Mm -hmm. are, you over, are, you, and are you over attached to your stuff? Mm. why why are you hoarding it for yourself um and it doesn't have to be everything remember 
the widow's mite. Jesus sees the woman throw her, her just few little coins in. He says she's given more than all the rich people who are given their bags of money. So it's not, it's not just how much, but it's that the spirit in which you give in your heart. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think, I think that, and that's one of the reasons we do an offering every week. It's not just so we can pay the light bill at the church, which it is, and the salaries and everything. Yes, that's, but partially it's for each of us to give and to be formed in giving that we learn how to be generous people. And in yeah. being generous, we become more human. We become more full, less entitled, less greedy, less hoarding, less obsessed mm -hmm. with our stuff, less fearful it's going to be taken from us, right? All that practice will form us in to be, I think, a larger, bigger, more freer human being. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what's so interesting, so there was a, a woman who was an associate pastor here for a long time. Uh, she now is serving as a senior pastor at a church in Texas. And her thing is, has always been, she's very big on sacrificial giving. So she goes to this church where um, there are a lot of people who are financially very comfortable. And so her one of the things they've been talking there a lot is about this. It's a, the giving as a spiritual discipline. And so if you're writing a check and you don't feel it at all, like it's, you don't even notice that you've written it, then that's, you're missing the point of the spiritual discipline. Um, so she's very big on that. So it's interesting that you say that. Very cool. Um, I don't, I don't want us to finish without kind of just circling back to, because I thought this was a really important point too. Um, and it's very related to what we've just been talking about, but you talked very much about those who are living in poverty, experiencing poverty and the living wage um, and just how important that is. So I, I don't want us to get off of this conversation without kind of circling back to you how important it is to make sure that that everybody is um, at a point. And, and so for me, that raised questions too about then really kind of going back to what we've been talking about is kind of figuring out kind of where the, the need is and where the want is like satisfying a need. That's not a, that's not about uh, being over-reliant on stuff. Like there are things that we need in order to be safe and cared for and fed and warm or whatever. But, um, and it's important that all of us have what it is we need. Do I need all the shoes in my closet? That might be a whole different story. <laughs> I know I do not, but that, um, but that it is important that people's needs are met. Yeah, and that's why I started or tried to start yesterday with making that point that I don't yeah. think Jesus is talking about, um, is saying, you know, if, if you're poor and hungry, well, you're storing up treasure in heaven. Now, Jesus mm -hmm. says, blessed are the poor, but he also says, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's very different. And I think, you know, and, and I think, in modernity, one of the critiques of religion comes from Karl Marx, and he makes it on this grounds. He says, religion is the opiate of the masses. Okay, why? He says, it makes poor people content in their poverty. And mm. the rich use um, religion to make sure that poor people are content in their poverty and that they mm. await riches that come um, in the afterlife, in heaven. And so I really want to be clear that Karl Marx is not the first person to say this. I mean, I've read the Old Testament Hebrew prophets, right? Like Amos has something to say about powerful people who take advantage of the disempowered and the poor, okay? Absolutely. Jesus Absolutely. has a lot to say about people who take advantage of people in poverty, okay? So that's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is, is whether you're rich or poor, you're going to have stuff. You're going to have relationships, you're going to have people, you're going to have things. 
and how are you attached to that? Now, when we want, when we want to talk about poverty and how we can help people that are suffering, um, that's a different conversation that we need to have. And we do have um, oftentimes, but that I want to make that point because um, yeah. I didn't make bring up the Karl Marx, you know, reference explicitly because I knew that would just die. I mean, I knew a lot of people would hear that and then their minds would just go rushing off to thinking about, you know, communism and all these other things that um, socialism and everything else that's going around in our, our, our culture. I really want to focus in on that point I was trying to make, but yeah. 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 Well, I, just, I, I thought that was so important for you to include yesterday. So I appreciate that. And Thanks. And all of it, it was, it was a really, really good sermon. And like I said, it stirred up lots of good conversation at the Slocum House, but also in my brain too. So I, I appreciate your sermon and your wisdom on all of those things. Next week, I think Carrie's preaching next week. Yeah, that's right. Carrie, Carrie Weatherford's preaching on the theme of fear and anxiety. How we got less of that. I think we all agree. If we had less of that right now, we'd be better <laughs> off. There's a yes. lot to be fearful and anxious about. So I'm looking forward to she's going to bring some wisdom to bear that I think um, will really make an impact on our lives. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it, that that will be good. But so I'm Jeff, excited because I'm Go gonna be in your seat next week and I'll be interviewing Carrie on Monday. Yes, yes. So that'll be fun. Well, good, good. Well, we will look forward to watching that then and being and participating in that. Um, so Jeff, thank you for your wisdom today. And thanks to everybody else who joined us. I, I very much enjoy these times and appreciate these conversations. So thanks to all of you. You too. Thanks, Lindsay. Take care. Hey, thanks. You too.